0: Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium, and of course, my new publishing company called Zivi Books. And now, back to our daily author interview site, and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi! Hi! Hello! Enjoy the show! Colin Cowie is the author of The Gold Standard, giving your customers what they didn't know they wanted. Colin Cowie arrived in the United States from South Africa in 1985. His intelligence, personality, and stylish sensibility led him into the fast-paced, glamorous world of planning over-the-top parties for royalty, celebrities, and business luminaries. Respected around the world as an arbiter of style, Cowie has been at the forefront of event and wedding planning for the past 25 years, creating trends and raising the bar for providing the ultimate guest experience. In addition to Oprah Winfrey, his celebrity clients include Jennifer Lopez, Ryan Seacrest, Kim Kardashian, Lil Wayne, Nicole Kidman, and Demi Moore, to name a few. Cowie's corporate clients include Dom Perignon, Warner Brothers, CBS, The Whitney Museum, Architectural Digest, Cosmopolitan, and InStyle. His previous books include Dinner After Dark, Colin Cowie Chic, The Guide to Life as It Should Be, and Colin Cowie Wedding Chic. Colin's latest book, The Gold Standard, is out now, so go get it. Welcome, Colin. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss your new book, The Gold Standard, which was so amazing and helpful for so many reasons. So thank you for coming on to discuss.
3: I'm very, very happy to be with you today, Zibi. And uh, that's why I called it the gold standard, because it's about giving your customers what they didn't know they wanted.
0: Yes. Amazing. Well, our, the, my listeners didn't know they wanted your podcast and now they got it. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you, I bought your book, Effortless Elegance, with Colin Cowie for when it first came out and it sat on my coffee table for like <laughs> – Years and years. So I am just so excited to talk to you in general. And then was so thrilled when I realized your latest book is about you and your life story in addition to your advice. And I was so pleased to get to know the whole backstory of how you became you, which was amazing.
3: It's a good story. It's interesting, isn't it? And colorful.
0: It is interesting and colorful. So why don't you tell listeners a little bit about your background that you shared and how you decided that you were going to be the person and how it came to be that you were the person who was setting the gold standard for not only events, but hospitality and sort of experiential customer service in general.
3: So I grew up in Central Africa, Zambia, in a very small town and we had one hotel and one restaurant you'd never put your foot into and a country club we belonged to so i can't think of a time that we weren't entertaining in our homes we always had people for lunches dinners and and uh, and house guests and as a result you know for me entertaining was a natural thing to do it's just what you did you made people feel comfortable and you made people feel welcome so fast forward in 1985 was the height of apartheid in south africa it was a very unfair political system. I didn't believe in it. I didn't want to participate in it, and I didn't realize or think that there would be a future for the country. And I don't know what, I didn't want to spend my hardest working years not knowing what the future would hold. So our finances were frozen and monitored and tracked because we lived like in a police state. So armed with $400, won a well-cut suit, an omnipresent suntan and big dreams, I landed in Los Angeles on the 16th of September, 1985. And I never looked back. I mean, it was amazing. I started working as a caterer, and then I owned my own catering company, and then I started planning parties, and I was doing all this European sense of of cuisine. I was doing, you know, Bronzino grilled. I was doing Bronzino cooked in sea salt, and I had all these fabulous European ideas. It was a time when California cuisine was at its highest and it was just a lot of layers of everything, one on top of the other. And I had this European sensibility and it just caught on very quickly. And I became like the young caterer to the stars. So the next minute I was doing Bruce Willis and Demi Moore and Sylvester Stallone and Barbara Streisand. They were all my clients, Tom Cruise, the works, and I did all their parties for them. And then along the way came this little magazine in style magazine, because they had no credibility so, And I had all the relationships with the celebrities. And that led to my first TV show. And then I started doing private labeling and designing a product for Lennox and all these other companies. And 13 years later, I moved to New York and I started working in the Middle East and doing these big, mega, mega, fabulous, amazing events. And, I mean, I've just had the most extraordinary journey. And here we are, 11 books later, at the gold standard, giving your customers what they didn't know they wanted. And this is my 11th book, it's my first book, which is really a B2B, it's a business book. And it really teaches us, you know, how do we stand out in the crowd today in a very crowded space? And I'm sure you'll agree with me, we don't need another product, we don't need another service, we don't need another app, we don't need another piece of technology. We're over-assorted in all those departments, right? The thing is, how do we stand out in the crowd? And that's why, you know, I, I use customer service. I say it's the new currency today. It's how we make you feel. That's what's important. So I can go on and on and on. No, I totally
0: (laughs) agree. I love your messaging and of course and I loved how your first real experience hosting an event was in a tent where you made sort of a bar for the soldiers who were working with you when you were part of the army. I mean, who would have thought that's how you got your start with you know the wallpaper on the walls of tents and everything. So anyway, thank you for sharing your backstory with us. That was really phenomenal. That's a
3: funny part of the story, because just to fill your readers in and listeners in was drafted to the military for two years, and it was mandatory. So I figured, you know, how do I stand out in the crowd? And I became head of the, the medics, and I became friendly with the major, who was the, you know, the major in command of the whole camp. We were in southern southwest Africa on the border of southern Angola. And I said, you know, we need to do something for the troops' morale. Maybe I could set up an officer's bar. So I said, well, maybe someone can take me in a helicopter to Crotefontein. So I came back with the tent and the jute and the wallpaper and everything. And I bought with me a couple of those big beverage servers, you know, where you could make like the daily cocktail of the day and you could make 60 at a time. Yeah. Well, the funny thing, those were the first two I bought. And I realized then, I didn't realize then, but I realized 20 odd years later, when I was working on Home Shopping Network, this would be a great thing to sell. I went to sell over 150,000 units of those in Home Shopping Network. It was insane. But it's an interesting how a small little idea in a very, very challenged moment in life ended up being such a big idea later on in life.
0: Oh my gosh, I just love it. And all the creativity. You know, the the book itself and all the advice that you have throughout the chapters after your life story resonated so much with me because yes, I do this podcast, but I also just recently launched a publishing business and we're going to be publishing 12 books a year. So I am also thinking very seriously about the customer experience and how to make people feel, and all the things that you were talking about. So literally after I finished your book, I emailed my entire team, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I was just so inspired by Colin Gatley's new book. Here are the, like, 18 things I think we should think about, and maybe we can do things differently this way, and let's, like, start from scratch and blah, blah, blah. So it was, it had a huge effect on me personally, and I'm sure it will on on all the readers.
3: because a lot of people said to me, you know, tell me about this book and how long did it take to write I said you know it might have taken a year and a half to put you know the content together but it's a lifetime of my work you know it's all the lessons that I learned along the way you know the failures that I had why the failure was a necessity and what I learned from them and you know I I never went to university to study any of this I'm a I, I come from the university of of whatever it takes, and I graduated in knocks and falls, realizing that every time I got up, I got up smarter than I fell the last time. So it really is a lifetime of work, you know, between two covers. And I think there's something in here for everyone. It doesn't matter whether you're running a manicure store with three people on the corner, or you're running a Fortune 500 store. All these all these principles apply to everyone and to everything. And it's very timely today. And, you know, I do a very big focus in the very beginning. I believe that in any business where we want to serve people or we want to sell something, we need to set the table correctly, which mm-hmm. means you need to get everybody aligned. And I started writing the book pre-COVID. And the interesting thing was this message has never been more important because during covid a lot of our products changed. A lot of our messaging changed. Our staffing changed. Our work situation changed. Some people were working hybrid. Some people working remotely. So that this is a better idea now than ever to make sure that we have everything that we need in our company culture to go and deliver this type of customer service. And I call it culture because culture really, it's the fuel. You know, a lot of people say 100% is the goal. It's actually 120 because that other 20% is passion. And that's what's going to get you ahead of the game. And that culture comes from making sure that we have a vision for what we want to do. That yeah. we have a mission that's going to tell us exactly how we're going to get there. And most importantly, what are the guiding principles? So if you to take 10 of your employees and put them in two in, in 10 different rooms and ask them a question, if they'd gone through this exercise, 80% of the answers would be the same. If not, you'd get any com- radically different questions, radically different answers. So I think alignment is very important. And then the other thing there, I said, you know, the, what makes us stand out, right, is how I make you feel. Mm-hmm. The whole goal in this overcrowded arena is like, if we're going to have a transaction, how do I create the emotional connection with you? That's what's important. Because once I have that emotional connection with you, You're going to be loyal to me. You'll love receiving information from me. You're not price sensitive. You spend more freely. And most importantly, you're going to tell your friends about me. So that emotionally connected person is really, really important. And I call it the customer seduction because we use the senses as what you smell, touch, taste, see, and hear to craft that guest experience. And I take it one step further by saying, you know, it's all about... Delivering the two types of service. There's reactive service, which is what 95% of the world's service providers offer. And that's when something goes wrong, they put their hand up and they can fix it. They can buy some loyalty with it if it's done correctly. But only 5% of the world are able to deliver proactive customer service. And that's when we can really, really get interesting and we can use the information that's readily available to us. You can Google and find any information about anyone. It's amazing what people put on their social media pages. You just get to reserve that and use that yourself to be able to make a message that you know is going to resonate with other people. And when that happens, that's when the magic happens because proactive service allows us to anticipate the unanticipated needs of the guest. When you do that, you create that emotional connection. There's no question about it. So there's tons of fun stuff in Yemen. I could go on and on and on. <laughs> I'm more passionate about the subject now. <laughs>
0: no, it's it's absolutely true. And I think what you said is so true. I mean, even when you talked about the own positioning of your business, where there were at the beginning only a couple big you know, essentially event planning service firms who were doing these types of events. And then next thing you knew, like anybody with a website was saying they were an event planner, right? And so how do you distinguish yourself and how how do you stand by what you believe in? And how do you produce something exceptional that's straight from the heart? And that, I don't know, I, I think that with everything, every market becoming completely saturated and crowded, you're right, there has to be something significantly different. And what do we have left but to touch people where they feel, right?
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f- are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
3: Exactly. Otherwise, you know, with, with a, a very thirsty consumer today, you know, the new young consumers today, they're programmed to look at life as a, it's a revolving door that's just going to service them one great product after the next. And it's true because there is one great product coming after the next. And if we aren't able to create that emotional connection, they're just going to continue shopping, right? And we're going to sit there trying to sell, and it's not going to work. So we have to connect those dots, and we have to make those connections. You know, the emotional connection is important not only to the person on the outside, but you want your team, you want your staff to be emotionally connected because mm-hmm. that's where they're fine to everything that it is that you're doing.
0: So if you were going to try to sell a book, how would you do it? Like, how are you doing this book differently? Like you have a new product on the market. How are you approaching it in a way that makes people resonate? Because it's your book and you, you know how are you applying your skills to selling this book?
3: You know, it's so much more difficult today to sell a book. First of all, you know, I've been doing 11 books over the period of the last 25 years. So when you look at it, you'd go on the Oprah Winfrey show years ago to hold up your book. Everyone would run to Barnes and Noble and to Borders and to every other bookstore, pre-Amazon, and go and buy your hard copy book, and you'd be on the New York Times bestseller list. It's not like that today. You know, first of all, so many people are competing with online publications versus things that are in print. I don't think print will ever go away because it's you know, there's, there's something about holding that tangible book in your hands. So for me, it's not about t- national television anymore. You know, I did uh, quite a bit of television, Good Morning America, a- a- ABC, et cetera, et cetera, on, on, on this book, and the needle didn't move it like it's been moving it on podcasts. So for me, the podcast has been the most beneficial way for me to move numbers on box, for sure. So just doing exactly what I'm doing with you now and finding alternative ways is kind of the way that I've been selling the book. The other things I've been doing a lot of speaking engagements. And because this is about customer service, a lot of people in the hospitality space want to hear what we have to say. So... There was also a time when I remember writing books in the beginning, where the publisher went out and did their best to help sell books for you, and there were marketing budgets. Now everything pretty much lands up in the author's hands, and mm-hmm. what is it that you can do? So. I do a lot of work on the, on the speaking circuit. So the speaking circuit has been really, really good for me because instead of, you know, sending two books at a time, someone's buying 100 books, 200 books, 300 books at a time, and that's what's moving the needle for me. And then on the individual basis, as I said, the podcast have been the most important. And then going out to my friends who are influencers, and, you know, I send them all a book, and I send them, you know, 10 or 15 blurbs and say, would you pick one of these and, and show me some love and support? I mean, that's exactly what it's like, is is reaching out to your network now instead of someone else's network and getting your network to promote you however they possibly can, whether it's Instagram posts, Facebook posts, stories. So we do what we have to do today in a very, very different landscape of publishing. But it's working. We're working to us as hard and we're getting the same results.
0: (laughs) You think there's anything fundamentally we can change about books in general or book marketing or the experience of reading a book because your book your book made me think about how I could make books different right maybe there's something that people haven't thought of yet in terms of the book experience the way you've rethought events or also the
3: way that also the way that I rethought the book I mean I wrote a business book and I dedicated it to a housekeeper I mean, yes.
0: this is real. <laughs> she sounds amazing. By the way, I can't believe she walked you down the aisle. That's amazing.
3: Yes, I mean, this is the lady been for twenty five years. I mean, you know, I, and I have a home in Miami now. And that was the most devastating thing in my life was her not parting ways. Also, having worked for me for twenty five years and being seventy five, it was time for her to start enjoying her golden years without having to work anymore. But uh, that clearly, clearly for me was such an evident and ominous gold standard right in front of me. So yes, it's been a fun project. You know, I always like to look on, on finding things before they happen. I think that's what trend is all about and, and, and being ahead of the curve and bring out new ways to do new things. Otherwise we get left behind. There's a lot of smart people out there doing a lot of things. There's a lot of product out there that we have to compete with on a regular and a daily basis
0: so true so do you like to read yourself
3: be myself
0: do you like to read like do you like to read for
3: oh, i like to be myself i was gonna say yes 100 percent authentically oh, Yes.
0: no of course you like to be yourself but do you like to read like is reading one of your go-to yes. things yes. to relax and if so what type of books do you like to read
3: i always have five or six books next to my bed and i always like to have you know wanted to, uh, there's always a self-help book. There's always a book on conservation. There's always, you know, I, I like to have interesting material around me. So whenever I travel, I love to grab a book with me so that I can sit on an airplane and actually read a book. And I look around and I realize I'm the only person doing it.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I noticed that everybody is reading it, either reading online or they're glued to their phones. Yep. And, you know, it's amazing. Your phone now tells you exactly how much time you spend a week on it. I find people that can't walk through the airport looking ahead because they're busy looking at their phone. We are obsessed with our phones and information. And the sad thing is everything has been served up to us in bite-sized pieces. So the idea of getting into a novel that you just can't wait to get home on your own to read another four or five chapters of, I think it's a—it's one of those lost pleasures in life. There was nothing better than on a winter's day to make a, a big pot of coffee or a, or, or, or a pot of tea and light a fragrant can and sit in front of the fire, put a blanket up and get stuck into your book. That was a favorite afternoon of mine. Now you've got 15 other things going on and you're multiple tasking with between four or five different instruments. Mm-hmm. So sad. My favorite, favorite, favorite all-time author died earlier this week. A gentleman named Wilbur Smith. He was the most iconic African adventure, epic African adventure writer. Yes. I read every single one of his books. Oh. And I read them of the period the last 35 years that I started to read them all again.
0: <laughs> oh. but,
3: but I think there's something really amazing about reading and, and being able to be transported into another world versus sitting, watching all this information that is pushed towards us, you know, as in our phones, as in Netflix, Hulu, Showtime, whatever it might be. I mean, we are overloaded and barraged and targeted just to send content towards us, left, right, and center. So I like the idea, of what you you know alluded to earlier, of us going out there and us looking for the content. Right? Mm-hmm. And being able to use content in a very meaningful way to, to transport us to a magical place where we can fantasize in our minds about what life could be, or put ourselves into a particular situation and make us think differently about a moment.
0: Wow, I love that. Okay, what advice would you have for people trying to write books like you just did and have done many times? And then also, I don't know how can we make how can we make the customer experience for our families even better? Like, what can we do at home to make life better using all of the tools in your toolbox?
3: It's so interesting. First, I'm going to answer your second question first. You no, know, whenever and I I, I do a lot of public speaking and I speak to a lot of corporations and I speak to a lot of companies. And I always say, you know, all these things that we're teaching you, just realize that not only do they make you a better person, but they make you a better parent, they make you a better sibling, and they make you a better friend. And everything that you can learn that you use in the corporate space and anything that helps you be a better version of you helps you in every area of your life. So without a question, I think you know, we practice what we preach because it is that is what we learn and what we read. And you know, for anyone who wants to be a, an author out there, I think the easiest way to do it is go online and download you know, how to write a book and how <laughs> to put a book proposal together because it is very, very specific and things have changed from what we used to write a book 35 years ago compared to writing a book today. It's, uh, you need to not only come up with a really compelling idea as to why you can sell your book, but more importantly, you need to prove to the publisher what can you do to sell the book. So the marketing plan of selling your book is equally important to the content of the book because the publishers don't have the money today to make them stand out in the crowd like they used to. So I think a lot of this is dependent on the author to come up with, like, who is your network? You know, how are you going to sell this book and how are you going to get us onto a bestseller list? And I think it's pretty easy. It's not easy. There's nothing easy about doing this at all. But, you know, you need to dot of all the I's and cross all the T's in terms of a marketing plan and, and, and laying out your table of contents and writing a sample chapter and, and writing the forward of the book so, that you can give someone a really good idea as to, and a company as to, as to why they would actually buy this book. I've been very, very fortunate. I've worked with an extraordinary literary agent, Margaret McBride from the McBride Literary Agency out in San Diego. She's done all 11 books for me. Wow. And she's been you know, over the first person to say, every time I've written books, it's a different world right now. It's a different world right now. We're going to a publisher and the publisher says, we want to do your next three books. Let's tie you up and we'll give you an advance that was so huge and amazing. you know And the advances have come down tremendously compared to what they used to just because you know those publishing dollars are now being shared online and with digital content. So it's a very different landscape. I just think you have to be very specific, have a really, really good idea. But more than your good idea, you really need to know, what can I do to prove to the person who's going to publish my book that I can make this book move, fly, and sell?
0: Love it. Wow. Colin, thank you for this. Thank you for all of your amazing, inspiring advice and your story. And I just, I don't know, I've just lapped it up and we'll be using it often. So thank you for that. And thank Thank you for coming on my show. Thank you so much. All right. You you
3: too.
0: Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.